This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett, from shake big, catch a three. Jackson in the crowd with Barrett. Five on the 24. Barrett previously had an air ball. The drive, the land, that's a ball. Gets it back, keeps it out, Barrett. Barrett for three. R.J. Barrett from downtown, but he quick trigger three. Gets another triple. Looking for more. Smith to the bottom. Watching the Dallas Cowboys football game at the moment. No Giants until tomorrow. Um, this weekend, Ohio State, I'm pretty sure they won yesterday. I, I stopped watching after the third quarter, but I think they won. Hopefully they beat Penn State. Um, let's check. 38-25, so been a good weekend um hope everybody's doing well not much is really going on for me um you know it's been the same old same old um i did go out to eat the other night the second time in two weeks where uh i went out to eat it feels good man tell you when you're in a pandemic it's like christmas when you get to go out (laughs) so i was out and um yeah, I was out watching Ohio State on Saturday. As I'm recording, it is Sunday night. It is a um, Sunday night, November 1st, 11 p.m. So if you haven't changed or turned your clocks back, yeah, back, fucking be sure to do that. <laughs> Always messes with people, but I've never really had issues adopt adjusting to it. Um. I kind of like the change. You know, a lot of people want to keep it as it is. But I like it. I like changing it up here and there. I never understood the point of it. I always thought it was very weird and random. But I like it. Daylight savings. Uh, But it's going to be darker quicker now. Because that's usually what it is in the fall now. You know, it's like fucking 4 p.m. here. And it'll start getting really pitch black. Which is fucking weird. Um, but it's, it's fun. I like the change every once in a while. Um, gain an hour of sleep, man. <laughs> gain an hour of sleep. Um, Dallas is losing 15, nine. They might make a comeback cause I know they're almost, almost in the red zone at the moment with about five minutes remaining, but they got their third string quarterback in guys. I was on my buddy's show. Earlier tonight, down the street from me, I had to go and record with him. My buddy Leo has a podcast called Say No More. Um, If you haven't subscribed to Say No More, be sure to subscribe to Leo's podcast right now. Or as soon as you're finished listening or watching this podcast, BD4, go tune into Leo's, subscribe to his channel, 
He's on Apple Podcasts. He's on Spotify and all the different platforms where you get your podcasts. He's a good job. He's doing a good job, man. He, he just started it up. He's fairly new. Um, tonight was his sixth episode, which will be released in the morning um, on all the platforms. And he's doing a really good job. So if you haven't checked him out, be sure to check out Leo Rodriguez's Say No More. It's a good podcast. Um, here on BD4, though... We are going to continue to be boring and discuss the New York Knicks. Yes, the New York Knicks of late. Um, you know, it's it's the same shit. Um, we're going to go over a few things tonight. Um, I have a lot of notes for this one. I'm going to try to read them as quick as I can, um, but we'll see. So let's uh, let's do this. Let's head to our first break. Here on BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And then as soon as we get back from break, we will get to the episode. We'll get the show, we'll get the show started, and um, that'll be that. So let's head to break BRB. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Uh, actually, one of the... The, uh, one of the one of the, a few things really, I fucking forgot to mention. Um, the Yankees um, been quiet so far, obviously expected in uh, in the off season, but um, Tommy Canley opted for free agency, so his Yankee tenure is likely over. Um, Zach Britton is back, um, and then earlier today the Yankees extended a qualifying offer to G.J. LeMahieu. DJ LeMay, who played here um, two seasons so far. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a free agent. Uh, but the Yankees extended a qualifying offer to him. And so, you know, basically, um, without going too into detail, what a qualifying offer is, if you don't know, it's like a bullshit offer that a team gets to. A team gets one bullshit offer, and the, the player is expected to decline it. And then the second time around, the team will actually offer the guy hopefully, a legitimate contract, you know. So in DJ's case, the Yankees offered him a, you know, a brief one-year, 19-mil um, deal. He's probably, I don't know, he might, I don't think he will accept it, but maybe he was, maybe he will. But, you know, if all goes as expected, he's ex- he's probably going to decline the one-year, $19 million contract. And I'm going to say the Yankees will be offering him somewhere along the lines of a three-year deal for $55 million. Give or take, that's about 19 a year, or 18.6 if I'm correct, if I'm doing the math right. Um, but that happened today. So so if you see DJ LeMayu decline you know, this offer, don't get scared. You know, Because you know, I don't think the Yankees are that stupid to where they won't offer him a legitimate contract to follow up the, the, uh, the qualifier. So, all right. Um... So that, that, that happened today, Sunday. Um, so, you know, he's got 10 days to whether to accept whether or not he wants to uh, 
opt in. But um, speaking of opting in, Giancarlo Stanton did not opt out. He opted in, so he's still on his hefty contract. Hooray. Um, yeah, that's that was it. You know, so <laughs> Tuesday's the election. That'll be fun. <laughs> All right, let, let's get to tonight's episode. Um, talking Nick. So uh, we talked about R.J. Barrett, you know, um, how his development may go under Tom Thibodeau. Um, we talked about Julius Randle and how Thibs will develop him, maybe use him more as a big like we when he did with Noah, like a playmaking big or a big that can, you know, pass the ball and share the rock a little more like he did with Noah and like Tibbs did a little more with Gibson and fucking Towns when he was there. So maybe you see Julius Randle play at the top of the key more and dish it more often. Um, we talk about that. We talked about, again, Barrett, how he's going to use him on the wing more often. And so tonight we're going to start off by talking about how Thibbs could develop Mitchell Robinson, you know, and keep improving his game. Um, Mitch has obviously had... Um, he's been in the league for two seasons and he's already had two coaches. So he's going on his third season with his third newest head coach here. Um, that's not easy to deal with, but if there's one of the, of the coaches he's had that I want him to develop under, I think he could thrive under someone like Tom Thibodeau. Um, you know, Thibs is known for, you know, getting his guys to, to go out there and fight hard and to play defense. And that's who Mitchell Robinson is, right? So I think if there's one thing I want Thibs to teach somebody like Mitchell Robinson, that is to, you know, show him, we're on the wrong page here, to show him the fundamentals of the game, right? To teach Mitchell Robinson the fundamentals of basketball. Because right now, Mitch is just out there playing basketball, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He's a young kid, right? Go out there and play freely. But, you know, he is a bit reckless you know, and, and will eventually need to refine those skills that he has, right, in order to take that next step. And, and you know, so I think as a head coach, that that is Tom Thibodeau's job right there, is to teach Mitchell Robinson how to play basketball, right? You know, teach him the, the smarts of the game, if that makes sense. You know, teach him how to be more of a basketball player. And Mitch is very good already, right? Let's, let's not fool ourselves. He's obviously um, known for his defensive prowess, right? He's an anchor on the defensive end right now. Those are his strengths. You know, he's a very good team defender, help side defender. Um, you know, he's often playing in the drop coverage. You know, I, I've heard, I was listening to a podcast <clears throat> the other day and um, the, the guy called him a linebacker. And I really like that term, you know, because when he plays the drop coverage, you know, he's kind of that last line of defense at the five, right? Where he's kind of stagging off just enough, um, but he's playing moderately so where he could get back on the pick and pop, right? He's sagging off in pick pick and rolls, but he's got a quick enough first jump and he's got long enough arms to where he can get there and still block you on the perimeter, you know, if there is a pick and pop. Um, But if there's a roll, he's he's going to, he'll obviously be glued to the screener. And and I think he's he's great there. He's great as a help defender, um, good team defensive player. Um, He can play in the passing lanes too because of those long arms. He deflects a lot of balls that go into the RA. Um, Obviously, we know he's an ambidextrous shot blocker, you know, blocks with either hand, um, and that's not easy. It's very rare for bigs, and um, that's, you know, obviously he's got some foul issues to work on right now, but 
the ability to be able to block with either your left or right. Um, you know, in Mitch's case, I think that ability right there could help him avoid fouls in the future, being able to do something like that, um, especially on, on the perimeter. Um, and then, But now, yeah, under Thibs, we want to see some improvement in a lot of areas. Um, so while Mitch is a great, you know, defensive player, there are still some areas of improvement he, he's going to have to work on. Um, obviously, he's going to have to put on some muscles, first and foremost, right? That's him. He's got to hit the gym, get the weights, and, you know, get some strength there. You know, he, he gets bumped on the perimeter a lot in the post, in the RA, um, and that's not going to... That, that can't fly. You know, he's going to have to gain some kind of muscle. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, fucking Shaq. You know, it doesn't have to be fucking, you know, an Olympic athlete out there in terms of strength. But he does have to have enough to where he can sustain that for 35 minutes a night across 82 games. Right. I don't know if he's that guy right now because of the lack of strength. He's very frail. Um, but under Thibs, you know... I want to see him improve the one-on-one defense. That right now is his biggest issue defensively. You know, that that lack of discipline where he, he has trouble staying on his feet. And, you know, I want to see Thibs kind of coach him to where he's not biting on those jabs and on those fakes. Um, you know, because I know the craftier bigs have had, you know, have caused trouble um, on Mitchell Robinson in the past. You know, guys like... Sabonis, guys like Jokic, um, Cantor, you know, craftier, those European bigs who really know how to get you. Um, that's been Mitch's biggest issue. And on the inside too, that works. I'm not just talking about on the perimeter, but you know, there, there are times where Mitch is in foul trouble and it's not always his fault, right? Because the Knicks are a switch heavy team. That's the way their defensive scheme has been, um, especially under Mike Miller. And a lot of that is, or I'm sorry, uh, especially under David Fisdale. Um, no, was it under Mike Miller? Yeah, it was Fisdale got fired, and then the Knicks, and then the Knicks switched a ton. Maybe in the opposite, I don't fucking remember. But there was a lot of times last year where the Knicks were often switching, and you know Mitch was just left to defend those smaller wings on the perimeter, and you know that's easy as hell to get him in foul trouble by by you know getting him to bite there, but. You know, I just want to see that discipline improve, and hopefully he can tone down those fouls. Because right now, in Mitch's career, I think his fouls per 36 minutes, um, I don't know if they're still exceeding the six mark, but yeah, it's bad. Um, Offensively, he's, you know, he's not a scoring machine. Um, He's an opportune scorer right now offensively, right? He gets a lot of of his buckets from... From you know dump off passes from penetrating guards or you know getting putbacks you know offensive rebounds and putting it back in uh, fast break scoring um, pick and rolls lobs you know he's a very opportune scorer right now he doesn't create his own um, so eventually I think you know like I said when Thibs has used guys like Noah Gibson Towns in the past um, you know in triple threat at the top of the key. Um, as playmakers on the on the at the top of the free throw line, I think that's something that we maybe maybe hopefully we will see more from Mitchell Robinson. Um, you know, play higher up there and kind of uh, you know kind of where Julius Randle operates um, when he's doing the right thing. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll see him shoot some more, 
right? Obviously, we, we've seen him talk about it. He said, you know, we've seen those videos of him in the gym shooting the jumpers. Um, I don't put too much weight into that. Um, you know, maybe he'll shoot some more threes. Um, he said he would last season. He did not. You know, he, he never did. Maybe it was the Knicks limiting him. And hopefully, Fibs, you know, lets him go out there and play a little more freely. And I'm not talking about making this guy, you know, turning Robinson into a fucking stretch. That's the very last thing you need to do with, with a, a rim runner like him. I'm talking about one to two mid-range jumpers a game, maybe a three-pointer every other game. You know, when you're open, when your feet are set, when there's nobody respecting you, shoot that shit. You know, he's got a decent form. Nothing crazy, but... You know, he's got, he, he, he should do it enough to where defenses, you know, to where he can put himself on the scouting report, you know, and be respected so they don't just automatically sag off of him, you know. The form is all right, you know. I, I've, I was watching some video of him shooting, one of the latest videos of him working on the three ball, and one of the things I did notice was the elbow was pointed out a little too much. Because I know you're supposed to have it tucked in more than anything or straight and have it kind of at like a 90 degree angle. But his elbow was pointed out, wasn't very straight. And the guide hand, um, his hand was very low. The ball was in his palm as opposed to being kind of lightly brushed up against his fingertips. It was, it was you know, the form isn't bad, but you're hoping he can break those small little mechanical habits, you know, at the age of 22 already when he's been doing it his whole career. That's something I'm going to be looking at, you know, um, if he does start shooting a little bit more. But, yeah, those are some of the, you know, just briefly some of the things I would I would like to see Thibs work with Mitch on. You know, playing him you know, outside of the, not just, you know, don't be entirely based on playing inside the restricted area. Expand his game a little more. Top of the key, maybe, you know, a little more dishing, um, you know, off-screen passing and, a little more shooting. That would be nice to see him start shooting the ball more. Because, you know, the free throw percentages aren't terrible for a big, um, you know, high 60% range. Which isn't the worst in the world compared to where you see Andre Drummond shoot it. To where you see Gobert shoot it. He has enough to where I think he can be respected if he continues to work on the shooting. Um, that's Mitchell Robinson. How We're also going to get to Cole Anthony and maybe a little bit of RJ Hampton as soon as we get back from break. few different social media platforms today if you want to follow my instagram account follow at rob j carbone if you want to follow my facebook or twitter account follow at ny sports talk rc so i don't know it was about three weeks ago i want to say um so this is kind of late news if anything but about three weeks ago the knicks you know there was a report out there saying that the knicks are shying away from selecting Cole Anthony, um, unless he falls to 27, uh, which I don't think will happen, you know, but, but, you know, lately, I think it was his AAU coach who said, um, Cole Anthony will really thrive in the NBA with better spacing, you know? So, you know, there's been some rumblings, um, about this kid. A lot of people like him. A lot of people don't like him. You know, he's one of those guys, you either hate him or you love him. Um, that's that's the prospect he is. But Cole Anthony is, I just want to briefly dive into his game. Um, son of Greg Anthony, who obviously a former Nick, um, 20-year-old kid who 
Went to high school where Mello did, you know, at Oak Hill. Um, but went to uh, UNC to play college ball there. And he had, you know, a difficult season. Um, UNC was 14-19. and 19. That was the first time under Roy Williams, Hall of Fame coach, who had where they had a losing record. That was the first time in his career. Um, so you know, a lot of people pointed it to Anthony, who you know he torn his he tore his meniscus, so he missed a bunch of time, he had to get knee surgery. Um, but you got to give credit because although he wasn't great when he came back, he he did come back. You know, he didn't just pack it in and wait until draft night. He battled back, and you know he competed. He's a competitive kid. That's the one thing you can't knock him for. Um, so yeah, we're gonna touch on him a bit. Um, read a bunch of his uh, some of his scouting report. He's a six three, one hundred ninety pound guard um, with a six five wingspan. Um, in two thousand twenty, across twenty two games, again wasn't great, but the counting stats were at least there. Nineteen points a night, six rebounds, and four assists um, versus three point five turnovers. But the efficiency was pretty bad. You know, he took 16 shots a night at a 38% rate uh, clip. He took six three-pointers a night and hit just under 35%. He took six free-throw attempts um, and he hit, you know, an average 75%. Um, Defensively, 1.3 steals and 0.3 blocks. All right, so, you know, he had an up-and-down year with UNC, but... That's over with. He's going to the NBA. It's just a matter of who is going to take him. And I think he will be a first-rounder. Um, early first round to mid-latest. I don't think he will be in the in the 20s. Um, but I've heard a lot of comparisons. A bunch. You know, I've heard Derrick Rose light. Um, Jamal Murray is one I really like. If he does pan out. Kemba Walker. CJ McCollum. Uh, I have here Mike Conley, Austin Rivers, DJ Augustine. A lot of comparisons for someone like Cole Anthony. Um, so the ceiling here, I would say all-star caliber slash sixth man of the year caliber. That's probably the best you'll get. Someone like, you know, six man slash an all-star starter. At worst, you'll probably, you know, bottom of the rotation scoring punch off the bench. Okay, so... There's a bit of a of a disparity, um, but we'll start with his good his good uh, the good parts of his game his strengths. Okay, Cole Anthony's strengths are um, shot creating and ball handling. I think that's one thing people notice. Uh, the athleticism is very good. He's an athlete. Why is the screen frozen? Hold on. Get it to reset. Hmm. Man, I hate when it does this. I don't know why. There usually is a refresh. Here it is, refresh. Okay, we're good. So, yeah, uh, strengths I have written down shot creating and ball handling. That's one. Athleticism, uh, playing without the basketball, and then rebounding. Those are the one, two, three, four strengths I have written down. Um, in terms of shot creating and ball handles, um, yeah, he's a good player off the dribble. He can sh- shit. He can score fucking... That's how he scores. He scores off the bounce. He's an amazing, you know, isolation, walking bucket when he's hot. Um, a rhythm shooter with a lot of confidence. You know, he's not afraid to step back and shoot it from, you know, 
a far, far range. Um, a tough shot maker, tough shot taker t- kind of player, you know, likes to take some difficult shots, step back, sidesteps, pull-ups, hop shots, a lot of shit like that that'll frustrate you and make you love him at times, right? We all know how that works. We we, we had to deal with Melo for seven years. <laughs> I loved Melo. But, um, so, you know, that type of player, somebody who relies on shot creating, you know, creating his own shot is, you know, that can be a blessing and a curse, right? So we'll get to the curse in a bit, but that's also a blessing because, you know, again, you got your guy who could just get buckets for you, straight up buckets. At worst, again, I said at worst, he could still at least score. Um, athleticism, very quick first step, very quick in the triple threat. Um, kind of reminds me of Melo there. So he's very quick, difficult to guard in space. Again, one-on-one, good luck when he's hot. Um, and he can, you know, a decent floater through contact. He's got a pretty good floater. He uses that when he's in the mid-range area. That's his in-between move. Um, rebounding for a guard, man. Somebody who gets six rebounds a night is very fucking impressive. Again, this kid is six... What? Uh, have it right here. Six, three. That's not bad. Um, and then here, playing without the basketball. He plays the two exceptionally well. He can really do a good job when he's coming off screens and, and, you know, kind of play as a movement shooter. So those are the strengths to Cole Anthony's game. Okay. Uh, when we get to the weaknesses now here, um, that shot selection and, and, you know, playing as a point guard with the shot selection he has isn't the greatest, right? A streaky, again, rhythm shooter, which was is a curse at times too. You know, a volume scorer who's hot and cold, who has his gray moments. Um, creates op- creates open looks for himself, but not always for his teammates, right? Um, you know, he'll hit the open teammates, but it'll be late, right? He doesn't get them open. He will hit them when they're open, and you know that's that's going to be an issue. Having some tunnel vision at times. Again, the three point five turnovers per game versus the four assists was a very 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 inefficient number um, for UNC for the Tar Heels this past season. The finishing needs work. He was 39% at the rim this year. Part of it due to the lack of spacing. You know, UNC didn't have many floor spacers out there to clear the paint, so it was very clogged. Um, But a lot of it's on him, too, because he kind of needs to learn how to slow it down and change speeds. He plays quick 110% of the time. You know, kind of that Westbrook type of um, mentality. He's very, very um, full speed. You know, his pace doesn't slow down. He kind of needs to learn how to, sh- you know, shift and, and when to change gears. That hurt him at the rim a lot, you know. Um, defensive commitment. He has the base strength, right? That lower body is very solid, very strong. And he's got the athleticism, too, to be a good defensive player. It's just as simple as committing on that end. He's not always committed defensively. And that's an issue with a lot of young players. But it's, it's something that's going to have to change in order for him to get a lot of minutes in the NBA. Um, the length. You know, it's interesting. He's kind of a tweener, right? He's kind of a combo guard. Because Cole Anthony has the style of a two guard, right? He has the play type of, uh, of an off guard, of a shooting guard. But he has the size of a number one. Right, the size of a point guard, but the style of a shooting guard, it's going to be difficult to to kind of um, find out where to play him at times. And 
Hopefully that doesn't become a liability in the NBA, and maybe that's one of the reasons the Knicks don't want him. And then last but not least, the injury concerns. He had ankle issues in high school, and then obviously, once again, the torn meniscus this past season at Duke. Um, I'm sorry, UNC. Um, so, you know, hopefully that's not something that, you know, carries into the NBA. Um, but that's it with Cole Anthony. You know, a prospect I actually like. You know, unlike others, it's not his NBA potential that concerns me. That's not what I'm worried about. But it's rather his fit with the New York Knicks. You know, if he struggled with his efficiency because of UNC's lack of talent and lack of spacing, what makes you think that'll improve, you know, on an abysmal Knicks roster, right? The Knicks don't have a ton of floor spacers. The Knicks don't have talent left and right. So maybe they're not they're not the best development spot for somebody like Cole Anthony who seems like he's going to be a project. You know, maybe this is why the Knicks aren't too high on him. Maybe this is why they don't want him at number eight and will only take him if he falls to 27 because he just may not be, you know, fit for the Knicks where he's going to have to go into a system that has some spacing around him so he can operate in the paint. But the Knicks, obviously, that was their issue last year. That's why R.J. Barrett struggled a lot in the paint. That is why, you know, a ton of guys had issues finishing at the rim outside of Robinson, who's, you know, seven feet. Um, so maybe that's why they're not very high on Cole Anthony. Um, one guy they are high on, and it's it's it was one of the guys that you heard first. It was the first prospect's name um, you heard that the Knicks were interested in. Um, and that's R.J. Hampton, who we are going to touch on as soon as we get back from break. Be right all right fellows so really quick i just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that i'm on you can do so right now and all you got to do to do that is go to my website just go to ny sports talk rc dot wordpress dot com forward slash connect once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. At 6'5", 180 pounds um, with a 6'7 wingspan, RJ Hampton is a guard from New Zealand, 19-year-old kid. Average nine points, four rebounds, and two assists on 41%, 30% from three, and 68% at the free throw line. On a very low volume of eight shots per game, 2.9 three-pointers, and 1.9 free throw attempts. Um, Not my preference here. Don't love RJ Hampton. Um, I don't know, man. Doesn't intrigue me. Um... Athleticism, energy, hustle, confidence, um, maybe pick and roll potential, shooting upside. Maybe those are his pros, right? He's an athletic player, an excellent athlete who is going to excel in transition at the NBA level. That's one thing you can't knock him for. Um, by the way, this clip right here on the screen is brought to you by Flow Hoops. So um, there's your credit there. Um but those are probably his positive, right? He's an athletic player. That's the one thing everybody knows him for. He's best when going downhill. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Jesus. He's best when going downhill, attacking the basket, off the bounce. Um, and when he gets to the rim, he's pretty creative around there. You know, uses the rim as protection. 
Um, and he's got nice touch um, to finish it off. Uh, so a quick leaper, quick runner, an above-the-rim finisher. Um, you know, that is probably the best feature about R.J. Hampton, his athleticism. Um, got a lot of energy, got hustle, plays with confidence, um, can score in the pick-and-roll because of his ability to change speeds and directions, and he's very smooth in pick-and-roll as a scorer with good handles and good creation tools. Um, and then the shooting upside. He has a nice shooting form with no wasted movement, so maybe he can be a good shooter, um, but at the same time, he didn't shoot good percentages. Again, 68% at the line, didn't even get there a ton, just 30% from three. Um, you know, didn't take a ton. So he's got he's got to show it. You know, we need some more indicators. Um, and, and while he's got a nice upper, you know, shooting form, it's a very odd looking lower half when you look at his legs. His feet are too close together, kind of pointed in. It just doesn't look exactly right. Um. So you know, in terms of R.J. Hampton's, I don't know. Offensive game. That's something that's going to be need. Need. Um, that's something that's going to need some improvement from the outside perimeter scoring. And defensively, he's not great either. You know, there's not. He's very. His pick and roll coverage is very poor. He's lost in pick and rolls. I've noticed that from seeing film on him. Um, he's got pretty f- fucking poor footwork to where he can just give up driving lanes consistently for stretches. That's an issue. Um, you know, he'll be flat-footed at times in his stances. It's not fucking great. You know, the help side defense can be sloppy. You know, he'll fall asleep at times, and he won't really give that last-minute effort. Um, and he's very small at 180 pounds, very skinny. So he's going to have difficult times navigating around screens, which he already does. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, man. Just, just... A light kid is going to have to put on some more muscle, um, and, and he's going to have issues in the NBA unless he improves there. Playmaking, that's another weakness I have here. Not a true point guard, but also lacks the size to play the two, um, like we had with Cole Anthony, except this kid doesn't even have the scoring menta- uh, mentality that Anthony does. You know, he's well, he's got a scoring mentality, but he's not the scorer that Anthony is right now, you know. Um, he lacks the vision. You know, he's a secondary playmaker at best, R.J. Hampton. Um, and then last but not least, the shot selection. Um, while he is a decent finisher at the rim, he is very right-hand dominant. So he's kind of predictable at times. And, you know, like with Barrett, he's dominant with one hand when he's going to rim to the rim. That's why he has issues, you know, finishing. So we're going to have to see a lot of things tweaked if the Knicks do select R.J. at eight, R.J. Hampton at eight. Um, so he's not my favorite prospect, but someone that people compared to Zach Levine, um, you know, because of the athleticism and, you know, the handles. Jordan Clarkson, maybe. <laughs> Dante Exum. And a lot of people, I think this is just very optimistic, have, you know, because of the way he plays a young Russell Westbrook, you know. People think that if he does fill out his frame, that he'll be somebody who just lives in the paint and, and just dominates the paint. Um, I don't know about that one. 
I don't know, man. RJ Hampton isn't the most intriguing prospect. But again, like most of these guys, if the Knicks do draft RJ Hampton, I'm going to have to live with it. You're going to have to live with it because, you know, truth be told, there's nobody at number eight that's going to jump off the page at you, right? Again, my preference here is Kyra Lewis, Killian Hayes, and then anybody after that, whatever, (laughs) you know? So we'll see what happens. Um, Guys, thank you for stopping by. We're going to head to break one last time before we get to the NYY, NYK question of the day. Be right back. A few different social media platforms today. If you want to follow my Instagram account, follow at Rob J. Carbone. If you want to follow my Facebook or Twitter account, follow at NY Sports Talk RC. So last time out in episode 172 for the NYY NYK question of the day, I asked you guys, um, how far did the Knicks get in the 1994 postseason? The answer to that question is they got to the NBA finals and they lost to the Houston Rockets. (laughs) Um, Tonight's NYY NYK question of the day, episode 173. What high school did Mitchell Robinson come from? All right, so that's our question of the day. NYY, NYK question of the day for 173. What high school did Mitchell Robinson attend? All right, guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for stopping by and listening to BD4 and watching BD4. And if you haven't subscribed to BD4, be sure to do so right now. Be sure to do it right now. Go to our website. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com, and that'll take you to my website, navigate the screen it'll show you where the blog is where the podcast is located on all the platforms it'll show you where to reach me on social media um if you're watching the podcast you can see on the screen right behind me you know where to reach me on facebook twitter instagram and then also the many platforms we are on um as for the podcast so guys thank you for listening to bd4 thank you for watching thank you for subscribing downloading liking sharing comment on the podcast do all that fun stuff and once again um have a nice night and i will see you in episode 174 whenever that may be (laughs) thank you guys and we'll see you next time ciao This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.